So I'm catching up on ancient aliens, and they posed an interesting question tonight. Where does the word dog come from? D-O-G, dog. When you look at Latin, canis, right? German, hund. But there is no dog in the human language. But we use dog a lot, and mainly it comes from dog star out of Sirius. So where do we get the word dog from? That's your homework. Go figure out where dog came from because there's an ancient alien connection to it if we can figure it out. Also, the Chinese are on the dark side of the moon. They found something, man. They found that green jelly from that 1950s green slime sci-fi movie. It's all on the dark side of the moon when they had that space station up there and there was green slime everywhere, right? But there it is. So a couple things going on in the ancient alien world right now. It's You know what I mean? Because it's summer, just before Labor Day. Have a great Labor Day this weekend. Sorry for the delay. Had a whole bunch of stuff going on this week. I didn't get a chance to record. Had a funeral to go to yesterday. Got on a plane today doing the Minnesota class this weekend. I want to thank everybody up here, Eric, Mike, Derek, Charles, all the guys that are helping me out um, and putting this together for the uh, Gopher Hills uh, Rifle Club that we're doing this weekend. Uh, We got a little two-day class happening, a big, big turnout, so thanks everybody who signed up for that. Uh, Going to work a little bit of short range tomorrow, do the classroom, and then it's going to be all long range on uh, Sunday, so it should be pretty good. Take advantage of the nice, nice uh, range they got set up here. It's sec, it, it's separated and segmented, and it's it's a really cool, uh, you know, little setup they have. Uh, spent most of the afternoon out there checking it all out, getting the classroom set up, and and all ready with that. So, should be pretty darn good. So we'll see what happens with the uh the class going on. Uh, but again, thanks to Eric, Mike, Derek, everybody up here, cause it. When there's clubs and board members and 503Cs and all the different things that go on with some of these uh, the different rifle clubs and everything, it's tough to bring inside or outside, yeah, inside. It's tough to bring outside instruction in because there's rules, you know, so the fact that they got the board to pass it and everything went off really well, I really appreciate that because it's not an easy thing to get us here to do the classes and teach like that. Like I said, there's a lot of logistics. So you got to have a guy on the ground. You got to have somebody who coordinates everything. And then, you know, in, in the case of uh, ranges that have the boards and the, in the nonprofit status, there, there's a lot that has to go on in order to make that happen within the guidelines and the rules. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a really good time. Weather's going to be beautiful this weekend up here. We're going to just be in the 70s and uh, really good stuff to, to start off September and, and get that taken care of. Couple things, a bunch of comments. I want to thank you guys for doing the Podbean comments stuff. We've been getting a metric ton of feedback in the last week. Um, so let's go through here and see what we got going on with some of the comments, and then I'll go into uh, some of the other things. All right, so uh, let me see where I left off. And um, let's see. I'm just going to start out right here. Regarding class handouts, it's probably better just to give someone a cheap flash drive. Yeah, I've looked at that. Um, It it, it is easier than printing it to just do a flash drive. So this is uh, Mthorn AK. Uh, It is easier. But you know what the problem is with some of the flash drives? It's really a lot of empty space, you know? So it's almost easier to kind of just print them and, and hand them out. But I, I do think there's some benefit to hard copy in, in like the weaponized math and things like that. But you, there's a lot of people that want to copy film, an example of the, of the slideshow, the presentation we put on. And you don't want to give away much of it. But at the same time, it's not, that, it's, it's not so much the information. It's more how the information is presented and the order in which it gets presented. You know, so it's not the data as much as the application of the presentation, I guess. Um, But yeah, you're right. A handout, it it can go either way. But I think I'm going to do a hard copy. I kind of like the idea of a hard copy to give to somebody. 
Um, yes, Frank would be interested in a September class. Okay, so September class. So um, something, God, this guy's all blah, blah, blah. His, he doesn't even have a real word out there. Um, the September class for Mile High is a go. So call Mile High after the Labor Day weekend, or I think you can go on the website, Mile High Shooting Outdoors, and sign up for the last-minute September 20th class. So we're going to do a three-day class on September 20th. What it was is I had a bunch. I didn't have a class booked for September. Uh, we had a waiting list of shooters, and we're kind of in an overfull situation for October. Overfull, I mean two people, no big deal. Um, so I talked to Mike about doing a September class and contacting the people. Even if it was like not a full class, it was a smaller class, I'm fine with that. But the, I don't want to leave people hanging for the year if I can help it. And we have this slot. You want to take a sniper's hide, mile high, whatever you want to call it, precision rifle class for me for this year. Since everything's booked, tread proof is done. Um, you know, uh, the October class is full. September class, there's two seats in Alaska. If anybody's listening, we have a PR2, I think it is, before the reunion. And I believe through people coming and going and coming and going, which always happens, there's always 10% that doesn't show up. Um, I think there's two seats in Alaska. If anybody up there knows somebody in Alaska, that might want to take it. But other than that, we're, we're pretty much full for the season. So this September class at Mile High would be your last chance. Call Mile High on Tuesday and get signed up. It is September 20th here in Colorado. I think you'll have a really good time. So uh, I'm letting you know that option is available. So that was a question in the Podbean app. Okay, oh God, sorry man, I don't know, I missed it. Discussion on MOA being the majority of errors was a shit show. Yeah, I don't, it, MOA's a mess. Um, it, MOA needs to be retired for what we're doing. If you're shooting F-Class, Palma, or Benchrest and you want to use MOA, that's fine. Anything else, you need to retire MOA. No other reason for it. Okay, so this is a weird, I'm, we're getting this con question a lot. Army dog here. So help me. Am I missing something? If I have a 308 with a four something BC, do I have a four mile an hour gun? Can't be right, but please tell me what I missed. You're not missing anything. That is correct. In Mills, you have a four mile an hour gun with a 496. Now, depending on your muzzle velocity, depending on where you're located, four miles an hour is, or the beat, the first number in your BC, it, that's related to about a 2,800 feet per second, and this is kind of going to 6.5. With a 308, it's going to be about a 2,600 feet per second. So 2,600 at 2,000 feet above sea level is your baseline average for the rifle. Now, with a 308, if you're running close to 2,700 feet per second, because about 200 feet per second changes it per mile an hour, and then your location changes it. Every 4,000 feet of DA will change it a mile per hour as well. But if you think about it, a 308 can have like a 505 BC, 496. So if you're pushing that speed limit or if you're located in a place with a little bit more elevation, you're about a four or five mile an hour gun, four and a half to five miles an hour. But we don't talk about the halves and the quarters and things like that when it comes to miles per hour. But, um, yes, Army Dog, you do have roughly a four-mile-an-hour gun. That is correct with a 308. That's how that works. Maybe it's going to kind of creep into five, but not much. It's right there on the edge. Um, Frank, where can we buy your Target stickers? I haven't been selling the Target stickers. I've been using them for class because I only ordered roughly enough for um, what I use in the class. I, I just did another uh, order of Sniper's Hide and Everyday Sniper stickers, but I'm mainly using them for swag and giving them out. I also have the last 20 or so mugs for 40 bucks that I can sell, but the stickers, tell you what, if you spend 40 bucks and buy a mug from me when they come in, uh, they'll be, when I get back home on Monday, they'll be there probably, if not Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever the case I'll throw stickers in the mug for you if you want some stickers. But I didn't buy them to sell them. You know what I mean? I'm not in, in here's the here's the bitch about selling stuff in my swag. I'm traveling so much, it'd be a case where you're gonna order it. I'm not home. 
and you're not going to get it for 10 days later. So I'd have to have a thing that said, I only mail stuff out like the first and the 15th kind of deal, you know, so I just haven't pulled that trigger on selling stuff. Um, all right, what's, uh, uh, TM Meek and blah, 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 whatever his name is. Is there a chassis that has all the features like a Sniper's Hide Edition APO that has a length of pull that is 11 inches or less? I don't think so. Um, length of pull on most chassis is like 12, 8 or longer. Now, MDT did come out with a shorter one. I don't know how short they go, but honestly, I don't know of any chassis that goes down to 11 inches like that without really doing some serious homework on the subject. But my understanding is most of them are in that 12 to 13-ish length of pull. Honestly, you're going to have to just Google the hell out of it and start doing some homework because I don't know all the length of pulls off the top of my head to be able to tell you. But I don't know of one that's that short at all. You know, I don't even think like the Magpul, which is pretty good. Um, I don't even think they go that short. Uh, Frank, uh, have you noticed any improvement, accuracy, consistency in the Calyx roller bedding versus a standard example like your Tika? I don't know if I would give... Um, the the uh i don't know if i would if i would if i would be able to pin down my tika shoots better in a kdex mm, i don't know i can't say i like the roller block i like the kdex system i like the kdex chassis can i tell you it's going to improve uh, i don't know man i seen tikas like tika take ones we're getting them that are stacking they're stacking stacking friggin' rounds, man. I mean, quarter minute, if you get a guy that's shooting a Tika Wells, got everything tuned up, he's adjusted in on it, a Tika Tack A1, it's hammering. The only negative I found on that is the magazines. You know, we switch them out because of the magazines, mostly. Um, but I don't know if that roller bedding is, is that much better than a standard V-block. I guess on paper it is, but is it in reality... That's a hard one to quantify because I changed so much of it out. So I can't really say it, but I will tell you, it's damn Gucci, man. And Kdex is coming out with more and more stuff to support the chassis. You can get that competition forearm, which is great. They just came out with Arca rails that go into their system. Um, you know, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a Kdex fan. I like their stuff. I'm going to be working with them. We're going to have a strike new group buy going on that's going to make you some money or, you know, with accessories, save you some money, not make you any money, going to save you some money. But I'm a fan. Um, listen to the podcast today while driving my first F-Class match. I was pumped. Great, man. I'm glad to see guys out going and shooting and doing stuff like that. Uh, that's pretty awesome, you know. So definitely good luck on your first F-Class match. Uh, this is uh, the Kwasla Heart Attack. This is uh, Quick Heart Attack. That's what I'm going to call you, Quick Heart Attack. All right, good episode, Frank. couple of things. I am trying to get my match or get into a match for the first time, and I'm extremely intimidated to look like a dumbass. Dude, you're going to look like a dumbass. Um, don't even sweat it. I have limited time off of work, so clearing a day for a match is a big deal. Do you think it's more valuable to just hold my nose and jump in? Yes. Uh, spend my few days off trying to spectate. Don't spectate. Just do it. Um, also, any podcast meetups at the Precision Rifle Expo this year? No, I'm not going. Um, the Precision Rifle Expo changed dates, and it's conflicting with my Alaska trip. So I have my final trip last week of Alaska. Or, yeah, I have my trip. Man, my, I'm tongue-tied, man. It's too much. Been up since 4.30 this morning and flying. It's a long day. It's, uh, you know, 8 o'clock now. Anyway, um, so I can't, uh, you know, uh, so I'm not going to make the Precision Rifle Expo. Rifles Only is actually doing my class, the fundamental class, at the Expo. I won't be there. I'm going to be in Alaska. I'm missing... Uh, Phil Vallejo's match, the Gunworks match is conflicting, the Precision Rifle Expo conflicts, but here's the deal, man, go shoot the match, take it as a training class, not as a competition, take notes, think about what you're doing for every stage, even if you're kind of hanging back a little and you're more the last guy to step up and do all that, 
The only thing that's going to make you look like a dumbass is your name on a paper. Who cares? Nobody's paying attention to the, the names down the list. And honestly, I don't think anybody's paying attention nearly the way they were um, a year ago. I don't see, because like I've backed off from the competition stuff. I'm not talking about it. I'm not bringing it up. I'm, I'm, I've, I've pushed all that out the door. I basically said, don't call me. I'll call you. I, I don't want to know what, what, what they're doing wrong or what's happening. I don't care if so whiz bang does great. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Nobody cares. That's the bottom line. So that quick heart attack guy, go shoot the match and go learn. It's going to be the quickest, cheapest training you're going to get. And you have to look at it like training. You have to look at it in a way that how am I going to learn? How am I going to execute this stage? You want to look at your stages and formulate a battle plan. What am I going to do to engage this stage? I mean, maybe you watch a couple people. The thing is, is once you have a plan, don't try to change your plan midstream. Execute and follow through. If it does not work, then just don't do that in the next stage. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is you want to go shoot the match. Don't play the spectator game. Just go do it. Honestly, nobody's really paying that much attention. Um, you know... And it, like Robot Doc says, he just shot his first match a month ago, jumped in with both feet. Yes, there's going to be stages where he whipped your tail, no biggie. He's exactly right. Go do it. But if they have a match booklet, take notes. And, and as soon as you come off the stage, ground your rifle, get safe, get decompress a second, take a deep breath, walk in a circle, but then go hit your match booklet and write down everything you feel you did wrong. If you hook up with somebody in your squad... Ask them to watch what you're doing and critique critique you. Make it basically press somebody into service to be your coach and say, "Hey, you're, you've been to a couple matches. You're in my squad. Will you watch me and tell me everything I did wrong?" After the person should help you, but you want to bring it and use it as training and not don't look at it as simply a match because you will do terrible. But don't sweat it. All right, what's Tulsa Jack got to say? Hey, Frank, I know you talked about this at Nauseam, but can't find which podcast you spoke about zeros. Oh, I don't remember. Um, removing all the excess effects to get your true zero, collecting good data, and then putting it all into uh, the BC. So when um, you true, it's not going to add extra error, but thanks again. So here's the what, what I think. You, you, number one, you want to zero at 100 yards. 100 yards is where you zero. Everything is up. From 100 yards. Doesn't matter if you're shooting inside 100. It's up. You know like a 25 yard shot. Might be your 75 yard. Or 700 yard dope. You know what I mean. So you got to look at these different things. That are going on. So you want a 100 yard zero. Because atmospheres don't work on it as much. Wind is negligible. And, and it takes time for those external elements to work on the bullet. And at 100 yards, you don't have time. So you want the 100-yard zero. Then if you want to fine-tune your 100-yard zero, then go in YouTube, Hornaday's True Range Zero. Hornaday has a video on how to calculate your true range zero. Now, Patagonia Ballistics Cold Bore has an app. In, or it, it's a Windows phone. We've talked about this. Cold Bore, Cold Bore is a Windows-based system. You use a PDA, but you can use a Windows computer. There's a desktop variant. There's a PDA. Basically, if you buy Cold Bore, you get three licenses. You get a license for your desktop. You get a license for a PDA, and you get a license for a Windows phone. Now, next to nobody in the United States uses a Windows phone. It's dead technology, but you can buy... Windows phones that are refurbished, no SIM card, really cheap online. Newegg, Amazon, different places will sell you, which is essentially a kind of Wi-Fi walkie-talkie thing where it'll, it's a phone, it's a Windows phone, but it only works on Wi-Fi. Don't put a SIM card in it. Now, if you go to like Verizon or AT&T, because nobody uses a Windows phone and they sell Windows phones... You can get one turned on for like $5 a month. They just about give them away because nobody wants them. 
Well, if you put cold bore on that, cold bore has a true range zero utility in it. And basically what you do is you measure, and it's small, it's, it's fractions of an inch. You're measuring the fractions of an inch from where you aimed your dead center point of aim to point of impact to where your zero sits on the paper. You take that and put it into this, it'll give you a true range zero. So where you're shooting at 100 yards, you're in the paper, you're like if you take a three inch shooting seat, it's got that three quarter inch X ring, and then it's got a quarter inch red dot in the middle. So if you're in that, all of your rounds are in that three quarter of an inch X ring. But if you're not dead lined up with that dot, and you're a little bit higher, a little bit, let's say you're one click high, one click low. And it could be like a mill thing where if you add a click, you're at 12 o'clock of the red dot. If you subtract the trick uh, click, you're at six o'clock of the red dot. So you're not dead perfect, right? Just depends on your scope. So that's 100 yards. And most of us go 100 yards zero. Well, that is not truly 100 yards how your calculator looks at it so hornaday shows you how to do a true range zero and there are apps out there that have true range zero utilities to show you how to do that then when you go out you could do your 600 yard drop make sure you do a water line and your rough tri-dope comes from and this is your muzzle velocity adjustment comes at 600 yards right so check your tri-dope with 600 yard drop and then you adjust with muzzle velocity. Then you can go out to eight or a thousand yard. Then you tweak your BC. Okay, so that's where you want to go. You want to tweak that BC and do all that. So um, I don't know what episode it is. I don't know what any of my episodes numbers. They blur one into the other. You just got to go look. But YouTube, True Range Zero, Hornaday. Okay, Tulsa Jack. All right, here's Alaska ATV again. Every time I hear a new podcast, it makes me want to hit the range the next day, trying out some of your tips. Already checked out Mark Taylor's math and compared it my dope. Thank you, Mark. Um, a special edition of the KDEX stock sounds like it would be money in the bank used towards better. Yeah, I mean, $599 for the KDEX Nuke Strike chassis. It's got a full aluminum chassis inside. It, like I said, it kind of looks Jay Allen-ish. Um, you know, it's it's a good-looking thing, but, um, you know... Oh, here's my NASCAR, guys. Uh, thanks for the shout-out to Front Row Motorsports. Frank, I'm bummed I'm missing Darlington. I should have probably taped it. I may call home and ta have her tape the Darlington race on Sunday. I'm missing Darlington. I'll be out on the range working. Uh, it was Jermaine Motorsports was the Geico guys. I couldn't think. Of, I was like, oh, what was the Geico guys' names? And and I couldn't think of it. It's Scott and uh, and those guys over there um, is, is the, uh, car chief and all those guys from that, but also talking to this guy, uh, and snipers hide. He's from front row motorsports. Like I said, I'm a fan of all the teams. If you're, you could be one of the smallest teams in NASCAR. If you're starting in one of these races, you're a big team, dude. I mean, I get it. You're, you're underfunded, lower budget, but you guys do really well. I, I'm, I like when you see like the front row guys up front, and, and they kind of hang up front for a bit, especially in, in some of these bigger races. They tend to do really well. Um, a big fan, though. And I'm bummed again, like I'm missing date, uh, Darlington this weekend. Boom. KCH. Okay, what does Casey want? Uh, if, when, you get your hands on the new Hornaday Kestrel, uh, will you do a podcast on it? I have it. I do have my hands on it. I've had it for a little more than a month, two months now. Um, so I can talk to you. Honestly, it's a better deal, man. It, it's It's almost identical other than it has the Hornaday sticker on it looking at it you really can't tell the difference between the AB version and the Fordoff but it's $250 less part of that I mean if you think about it Hornaday wasn't too thrilled when AB took a shot at them when they came out with the Fordoff software and they kind of said that that Fordoff didn't exist so now they come out with a Kestrel and it's $250 less than the AB version wonder why that happened hmm but I'm a fan of the Hornaday. I'm using it. I got it here with me this weekend. Haven't seen any issues with it. I'm digging on it. And it's a little bit easier. It doesn't have as many submenus, it seems. But I haven't dug into every single menu yet. So um I don't, you know, don't know what to tell you. But so far, KCH, I'm I'm telling you, if you want a Kestrel with software, there's no reason not to get the Ford off, especially when the companion app is free and you know that kind of stuff. So you can you can figure out what's going on. 
All right, what does this one say? QHS 850 horsepower, 540 or 800 horsepower. Uh, episode 70 may help you. Sorry, this is a duplicate. Oh, um, yeah, so that he's talking army dog. Episode 70 is the win one. Mm, all righty. HCIC VOGD blah, 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 blah. Okay, you have to teach a class at Altus. I am going to be teaching a class at Altus. I talked to the guys this week. I spoke to uh, Mike, but I'm going to call and talk with Josh and them on Tuesday. Altus is a go. I'm probably going to do something at Altus like November and March because it's Florida and because of, you know, weather wise and it's good. I'm thinking I can use Altus, which is the old core, which is the old K&M, right? So it's Altus now in Baker, Florida. I'm going to use their facility there on the East Coast. Like I said, it's Panhandle, Florida, right next to Alabama. And I can bookend my class season with them. Start in March. Then I can go into April, May, and so and so that way. And the weather's going to be good. So Altus is happening. Um, regardless of the cost, you're in the class. I'm there. I'll talk to Mike and the crew to push them. I already talked to him. I know you guys called and talked to Mike. Mike called me. I got a text, and he's like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, ah, take a class Altus. I'm like, dude, you tell me what's going to cost and what's going on. I'm there. I dig Altus. I dig the guys that are working Altus, everything about them, so I'm going to be there. Happening. Uh, thanks for making my day more interesting. All right, Gary, I'm glad your day is more interesting, man. We, we try to make it fun. You know what I'm saying? We don't want it to get too crazy. Um, we, we want it to be some fun stuff. And uh, so what is this? Great episode. I'm anxious to hear your details on the review of the KDEX Strike Nuke. Yeah, I got the KDEX Nuke all put together. They sent me some parts. Um, I was at a funeral yesterday, and, and, and there was a couple pieces, parts he sent me. It's like a, um, a monogram cheek piece. He has, they, they now have KDEX, like foam, hard foam um, cheek for the plastic and some other things. And so he sent um, Patrice there, um, Patrice at KDEX, Sent me a box. I was at the funeral, and so I have to, when I get home on Monday, Tuesday, I'll go pick up the box, and I'll start looking at, on Wednesday, I'll be at the range with the strike nuke. But I have it all put together. I have it ready. There was just some accessories that he sent, and so I'm going to have those accessories. So what else is he saying? I'll watch for the group buy. The group buy is going to be cool. I volunteer with sight-in days at our club range before the fall hunts, and we'll try to convince guys your advice on zeroing. Yeah, there's there's a weird amount of... I don't understand. I do understand it because it's it's incestuous. It's history. The hunter's um, resistance to uh, zero at a hundred yards. Okay, you can dial your two hundred on there, like I just talked about. Hundred yard zero. There's no, especially here's the thing, man. If you have a two or three hundred yard zero, and you're in Florida, you zero your rifle at three two three hundred yards. You fly to Colorado because you're going to go shoot an elk. You got a tag. You got a hunt. Whatever the case may be. And now you want to go shoot a hunt or an elk, right? Well, your zero's screwed. If you have a 300-yard zero and you go from sea level to 5,000 feet above sea level and where you're going to shoot an elk, you're probably going to be at eight or 9,000 feet, if not 10,000 feet. Your zero will be wrong. Then you're going to have to do it all over again. But if you have a 100-yard zero, zero will be better. Then here's the trick, guys. So you now I got a 100-yard zero in Florida. Okay, I've gone from Colorado to Altus, to Core, K&M, whatever you want to call it, and checked my zero-to-shoot matches. I probably shot five or six matches at Altus, right? So zero at Colorado, fly to Florida. At 800 yards there, I have about a half mil dis difference, half mil difference between my 800-yard dope in Florida and my 800-yard dope in Colorado. But my 100-yard zero is valid. It still works. Why? Not enough time for the changes in atmospheric pressures, parasitic drag, to work on the bullet. Too short, too fast, too soon. So, 
If you get 100 yards zero, dope your rifle to, say, 300 even, 600. Just double check it. Shoot a target at three, shoot a target at six with your hunting rifle. And check what your 300-yard data is, and then put that into a ballistic computer. Okay? Well, then you can dial up that dope, and in Colorado, it'll be a couple tenths different. It's not going to be 0.5, but it'll be a couple. You will now have a better zero than if you try to zero at 300 yards and then hold over and do a bad hit on an animal. It, it's the the the... the Mounting your scope as low as physically possible thing is a hunting rifle deal, okay? With our chassis and stocks and hand guards and blah, blah, blahs and, and all this stuff, when you see a scope a little bit higher, well, usually that means it has an adjustable cheek on the back and you can raise it up and it's not an issue, okay? That's super low zeros for hunting rifles because they kind of want point of aim, point of impact, hold over. They want that minimal amount of dif difference between their sight height and where they shoot. Also, they're just kind of winging it. I'm going to hold what I think is three inches over its back. Okay, dude. Why not use data? You're trying to hit a small, high-priority target kill shot the kill zone right use data and you can run those numbers with the tri-dope we talk about for your hunting rig you can still zero at 100 yards make it super easy it's super right we do it every class in alaska nobody has a bad time with it we even reset their huskama scopes and put them back to 100 and reset everything so the scope will still work we can still make those systems that aren't designed for like it drives me nuts. Huskama will start your scopes with their blue fancy turrets at 200 and then have these imperceptible clicks under it. Why not give them a hundred yard zero and give them the two three the same exact way? A hundred yard zero won't move. I mean, think about where you go to hunt. You're changing elevation because you're climbing up a mountain. Right? Unless you're doing a planes thing and then it don't and it's the same. Okay, I'm at sea level, I'm close to sea level. But most people travel. You know, if you're hunting a deer in your backyard, that's different. But if you're gonna go on a dollar hunt where you spent money and you're traveling, you're probably going to elevation. Elevation will have an effect if your zero is out further. Zero at a hundred where you are. Dope it, dope it, put in your current conditions and understand those conditions, and then a computer can tell you what the changes will mean. All you need to know is like four ranges, 200, 300, 400, 500. You're probably not going to shoot much past that. I mean, we, we, we talk about the stories where the guy's in Alaska, 721 yards with a shot. This guy, you know, uh, uh, there was Wild Bill shot his Marco Polo at 540 or something. You know, we're having students shooting farther, but, you know, because they, they know. Now, they're getting really good trophy hunts a little bit farther than normal, which makes it so much easier, more time, more opportunity. Set up the shot. The animal doesn't know you're there, right? He's not going to run away from you when you're 500 yards away from him. He barely knows you're there. He doesn't care. You're not a threat. Okay, it's when you're 70 yards away, he looks and goes, oh, wait, who's that crutching in the woods? You know, when you're 700 yards away, no clue. Hello, time and opportunity. So understand your data, man. Let's, let's make smarter people out there. Let's make smarter hunters. Okay, we can dumb it down. We try to dumb this down all the time, but we're not going to go that dumb. You know what I mean? Check it out, man. Chinese are on the dark side of the moon. You know what I'm saying? They're on the dark side of the moon. What are they doing? They're finding, they found green jelly on the dark side of the moon. Remember that band, Green Jelly? Little pigs, little pigs, let me in. Anyway, so that answers that question. I also want to thank um, Bob there. Mr. Big Bob, who's an LE guy. He sent us a nice email about the stuff we were talking about with the LE community. Um, you know, he's talking about the difference between the PRS guys and, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not talking about him much. I don't want to give him the attention. And it's funny stepping away from the PRS kind of stuff. 
you and and I'm it's still in my Facebook feed to a degree, but it's like six comments, eight. I mean, other than the Ryan Hay Magneto speed when he's drumming up drama and he's playing games. I mean, Ryan's a funny dude, you know, and and he gets hundreds of people because they're just crab assing. But if you look at some of these posts and everything, two or three congrats. Who cares who won? It's no big deal. It's like lame, right? It's a game. And yeah, they're good shots. They have good equipment. They're spending lots of money. They're doing all this stuff. But then we're talking the LE guys. I'm telling you, your best friend's the tripod. Okay? Get a real good tripod. It's going to be your best friend is going to be that. It sets up everywhere. You don't have to build crazy blinds, drag houses, and do this and do that. You can put cars between, roll the windows down, be standing behind it. You can put three vehicles between you and the problem. Open the windows on the side doors, stagger them, and you could be stacked up behind one of them and still have your head below cover, and nobody's really going to know you're there. Yeah, on the street side, they will, but the tripod is your best friend, man. And, and Bob sent a really cool email um, talked about all of that. He's a listener of the podcast, and, and we appreciate it. I'm listening. I'm trying to it, – it, it's the Hunter situation, okay? So think about think about the changes PRS made to how people look at Precision Tactical. Yeah, we talked about it at Rifles Only coming up. PRS came out of what we were doing, right? We started it. They're continuing it, and they're moving forward with it. But Part of the thing, and I'm running into this a lot with the podcast, with the videos, with everything that I'm doing, it changes so fast, so fast that if I talk about something in January, here in September, they've already created three new products for it, okay? So there's already a new bag, a new fill weight, a new this. So if you say, yeah, but do you want to carry a seven pound bag? And then the guy will go, oh, you can get a 14 ounce bag now because there's a super, super high tech fancy fill that came from the aliens and the Chinese on the dark side of the moon found this material that weighs nothing. And it's like, yeah, dude, when I said that, that didn't have, they didn't have it. And then, you know, there's an old video of a tripod, me shooting off the man Frodo. So I'm shooting off of that, and we have the, the, the mounting point close to the muzzle, not in the balance position. Guys with the slings around the tripod and doing this and the hog saddle and that and this. And it's like, different tool, dude. Now we're doing a tripod that doesn't have a 12-pound weight rating. It has a 70-pound weight rating, a 100-pound weight rating. We balance the rifle in the middle, and then we're doing this, and we're not locking in, and we're doing less influence, not more. Where before we put more influence to steady it up because the tripod wasn't really strong enough to hold it, okay? I mean, look at, we were talking today about guys here because they do a lot of, um, in this Minnesota uh, location, they do a lot of NRL 22 and PRS style matches. And uh, Eric, when I was talking to him in, 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 in the tour around the facility, he was talking about the MPA chassis. Because he likes, he runs a Magpul Pro 700, and he likes it, and he doesn't see, and I don't talk about it at much. And I don't, because it's not a big demand. I dig the Magpul Pro 700. I think it's a good entry-level one. I think it's good for kids. There's a lot of pluses to the Magpul chassis, right? And, and, and I just don't talk about it that much, because there's not a lot of people asking about it. They're more into the Gucci wear, you know what I mean? Gucci flodge. And, and so, the MPA. Well... It had the push-button pin block in the front, right? Barricade. So skill stage barricade. Well, what are we doing? Okay, we're going to use the, the pin block, and we're going to pin between the magwell and the pin block, and we're going to figure out how wide that particular barricade is, put our block in the right location, and then wedge the rifle to hold it in place. Well, then that goes to the Ingenuity Gunworks, right? Ingenuity Gunworks comes out with a rail system and the blocks that go in there. And now there's two angled blocks that will grab the material and grab a log, grab a barricade, grab whatever, and wedge in there and hold the rifle in place. But that's like 400 bucks, you know? So then everybody's like, well, Ingenuity Gunworks, Paul Poindexter patented all this and patented all that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Bags. Game Changer bag comes out. Chaz's Warhorse, the Saracens, right? The Comanche, all that stuff. 
in 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 um you know so then the pint size but then it's like you talk to the hunter crew and it's like nope i'm not carrying a game changer it weighs seven pounds well now they come out with fill material the fills lighter than this not fill vallejo the fill material right so it's like you know if i'm talking about oh you know hunters don't want to carry a seven pound game changer and then it's like well now there's a 14 ounce one okay you know, I mean, it changes so quickly because guys are constantly trying to hunt for this and do that. And they want something that crosses over. Hey, this works really great for me in a match. I want to take it with me hunting and put it on a log. Oh, but I don't want to carry it. Maybe I got a four-wheeler. Maybe I don't. So we're slowly kind of in, in looking at the hunter style of things. I mean, even if you look at you get a lot of cross around from like a Satterley, right? He's up there in the mountains, the West Pacific West. He's doing the Hat Creek thing. And they're kind of bringing it more in line with the hunter crew, PRS style hunter situation. So slowly we're moving those guys. Well, now we want to do that same thing on the LE side to come back around full circle to my buddy Bob out there who emailed me today and you know, we're trying to get this incestuous military law enforcement training into kind of elevate it to the next level. You know, why did they do it that way? Well, that's because now they always done it. That's how sniper craft teaches it. That's how this guy's doing it. And, you know, those guys have zero interest in learning what, you know, they're, they're looking down their nose at all the PRS guys. And, and like I said, my biggest complaint has always been, the individual, the sense of entitlement, not so much the shooting or what they're doing. Do I like that they, they're doing something a little contrived and they're inventing things for products? Nah, not as much. Does that mean they don't work? No, it just means it's a lot of spent money that I don't think you need to spend the money. But the guys hit, the guys shoot well. There's a lot of innovation that comes out of that. It's just... I don't like the sense of entitlement. I mean, I think we might have told you the story just recently where the guy, you know, didn't want the mile high, had their mile high challenge here in July, right? And the guy who won the AT didn't want it. And it's like, do you believe that? I mean, the dude was like, no. He won an AT and he calls mile high up and he's like, no, I don't want it. I want this instead. Man, you should throw in that too. And it's like, dude, that that's my problem. That kind of stuff. And And it's like, you can argue with me all you want, but this person won an AT, called Mike at Mile High, and asked for something different. You can't say I'm full of shit because it happened. I can give you names, dates, and locations, okay? The who, what, where, when, and how. So that's always been my issue. But my issue is not so much do these guys have something to say? Well, yeah, they do. There's, there's some things that happen now. How practical? Okay, well, we can probably boil that stuff down into something a little bit more practical, but that doesn't mean we throw it all out. Okay, that's why I'm saying go shoot a match. Okay, but the LE guys now got to come along. We build you guys up and look at your fundamentals and then start moving you off your belly. See, I would slimline this completely. I would be like prone tripod and everything I taught you with a tripod, I will translate to any obstacle you have, put your car, whatever the case may be. I'm just going to try to standardize your training prone tripod. You're going to do your sitting, kneeling, standing off a tripod. You're never going to go unsupported. You're never going to build an artificial position. You're going to use, think of the bipod. Okay, let's let's look at it this way. Let's look at your prone shooting and the evolution of that. Okay, when I was in the Marine Corps, and, and it's funny because this guy's arguing me bubble levels again on sniper's hide, and it's like, you know, jack off stuff. So it's like, how did I qualify in 1986 with an M40 with no bipod, special ball, 10x scope, in the exact same qual that you use today? I didn't have a level, didn't have software, didn't have fancy new ammo, AB39, didn't have the suppressors and the better scopes and all that other stuff. Think of all the things in the M40A6, okay? Schmidt or Premier, right? Surefires, 
chassis, better ammo, software, Kestrel, the whole thing they have. I did the same qual without any of it. And so now I'll go from there. What did we shoot off of? Well, we had a sling only on that rifle. No place for a bipod. Couldn't put one on, didn't exist. So we used our ruck. Because here's the thought. I have a ruck with me everywhere I go. I could be moving through the woods. I can be setting up. I flip my ruck down on the ground. I drop down. I build a position. Now, if I had to build a position where I was going to be there longer or take more shots, what happens when you shoot off your ruck and you shoot off your ruck and you shoot off your ruck? It moves whatever inside out of the way and, and it rearranges how what shape that ruck is in. So the mantra for a Marine... Scout sniper, really any sniper should be no more than three shots from any one position. One, two, three, displace. One, two, three, displace. One, two, three, displace. Right? Because you don't want them to lock into where you are. You don't want to catch an artillery or a tank round in your face. Okay? So one, two, three, displace. Well, what if I was going to be set up in somewhere and I was going to be there a little longer or did that or how to use my pack for something else? What else is in there? Well, we had... Tent, the, 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 the tent poles, right, for our shelter half. I carry half a shelter half. You carry half a shelter half. I have three sections. You have three sections. We create a tent. My half, your half, your sticks, my sticks. Well, if I take those three shelter half poles, tie them together with 550 cord, and twist them, created a tripod. That's about the right size as a bipod. Holy cow. It's actually a little bit taller. Because they're 12 inches each. I think maybe about 12 to 16 inches, I think. I don't remember exactly what a Marine Corps tent pole thing was. I don't, you know. Um, so, but anyway, I now have a tripod, which is more solid and doesn't mush, right? If I shoot off of it and I got to qual or do something, it's not going to mush in, mush in, mush in, mush in. So I shoot off of that. Then you go to bipod. We got a bipod. Harris comes around, right? Harris bipod, Harris bipod. We're using Harris bipod. Six to nine, nine to 13, what, whatever. Then we go to Atlas. Then Thunder Beast. Then Elite Iron, right? Look at the evolution of how bipods improved and what they're doing to hold the rifle, right? Long range accuracy, wider stances, the Phoenix, the this, the that. All these different things and how they've changed the bipod. Well, that's what we want to do with this LE training, with the hunter training. We want to slowly be able to bring you to the modern era and say, yeah, I know you've always done it this way, and I get it. It worked for you. You, you slayed a lot of animals like that, but you'll be that much better if you try it like this because now we got all these options. And you don't have to spend money for these different options. You don't have to get crazy with it. And that's my only point is that you don't need to get crazy with it. Let's take a look and see. Yeah, I'd rather you spend the money for a good tripod. Dude, go find a used Gitzo or something. I mean, guys are throwing these things out now because they all chasing one. You know, there's that now that September's, October's over, I know the Colorado Tripod Company's got some stuff coming out. It'll be cheaper. There's these other ones. If you know you want that weight rating, but you maybe you don't want to spend fifteen hundred bucks. I would recommend you spend the fifteen hundred bucks, but maybe you don't want to spend that. But think about put your spotting scope, your binos, whatever the case you may be. Think about it even from a hunter standpoint. Same philosophy. Tripod rifle. Spotting scope rifle. Switch this, do that. Binos here. This it, your tripod is going to be used, and a lot of guys who are out there glassing and doing stuff are bringing a smaller tripod anyway. Well, if the tripod weighs the same carrying it, but holds 70 pounds instead of 12, you have a better platform that can now adapt to any scenario you can think of. It's infinitely adaptable, but it's the same. Every single time. It's either going to be sitting, kneeling, or standing. Right? It's always the same. And that's what we're trying to do. Is If we get you to do the same thing the same way every single time, you're that much more effective. 
And that's my point with that kind of stuff. That's what we're trying to press with with all of this. So that's where I'm at. Um, that's what's going on with this. I uh, hope you guys are going to have a good, safe Labor Day weekend. Uh, like I said, I'm here in Minnesota. I'll be back September 20th is the last mile high class. Uh, October's there, but it's full, like I said, that you can get in on. End of the month, Alaska. Oh, shout out to Sheep Creek, man. Sheep Creek made the main news. The big wildfires up there. Really bad, guys. I mean, it, you guys hear us talk about Alaska. Talk about that. I'm always bringing up Alaska, 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 Alaska. Because I do so much up there. Right? Ten classes a year. That's a lot. They burned down hardcore up there. And Sheep Creek survived it. Like, only a couple miles up the road was Caswell. Caswell Torch was a little general store up there. Gone. And so Sheep Creek got huge props. Jesse, Molly, outstanding job you guys did. Everybody there. Um, so glad you, you all weathered that storm uh, really well. It was, it was looking bad. I wasn't even booking a ticket for the September class because I didn't think it was going to be standing. So I just like this week booked my ticket because I was expecting it to be gone. But um, I'm, I'm glad you guys, hopefully you'll get some rain and, and some stuff will work out for you or at least the snows will come in quick you know, something, but, um, yeah, uh, Sheep Creek, you know, nice job up there with, with taking care of your, your neighbors. And, and that's what they're all about, man. That's why we praise them so much. Cause that's the kind of people that they are. All righty. Um, Hey, thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of the everyday sniper podcast. Sorry for some of the delays. I mean, I know it's been like two a week instead of three a week. Um, but we're still trying to knock them out as best we can. And it's just, like I said, family stuff, funerals, this, that, the other thing. Um, so it was, it was just a, a, a kind of a weird point. All righty. We will talk to you all soon. Don't forget to put your questions in the everyday sniper podcast comment section in the Podbean app, go on a sniper's hide in the forum. There's an everyday sniper section. If you got a bigger question longer, you want to type it out. The forums going gangbusters, man. We're, we're making some changes. We're, we're, we're cutting down on some of the, the, the BS that's going on and, and it's just been working out better. I'm trying to, I'm looking at it now. Quality is over quantity. I did add, in case you guys are wondering, because it's such a big shopping area. I mean, the PX in Sniper Side Forum is gigantic. The PX is just out of control. I put a feedback section in. So now you can rate and feedback people. It's stupid because if you got a negative rating, like of valid, like, hey, this guy did something bad, we burn, we ban you. We boot you. You're out. So really, to find somebody with a negative rating is going to be tough. But, it, you know... Is it going to be, well, he told me he was going to ship it on Monday. He shipped it on Wednesday. You know, three stars. You probably get that. But are you going to get, like, ordered a product and it didn't come, you know, it was scratched or broke? Because you're going to bitch to us and we're going to ban the guy. So it's not even going to be there. You know, he won't even be there anymore. But I did add a feedback section. It was just they were beating me the F up over this because it is so popular. I'm going to end up starting to charge people. Just because they're using it like friggin' gun broker or beyond gun broker. So it's going to end up becoming a pay service because they're just going so stupid with it. But we, we do have a feedback section on the Sniper Side Forum now for transactions. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this. I'm going to get this uploaded to you. Have a safe Labor Day weekend. Cheers.